The passage is from the first epistle of John, and it's 1 John 1, verses 5 to 10. This is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Well, good morning, friends. I am Jack, as has been mentioned. It is wonderful to be with you as we come together to praise the name of Jesus and hear his word, continuing this series in 1 John that Edward has kicked off for us last week. As we begin, I want to ask if you are familiar with the churchyard miracle. Where I'm from, my previous church had a big car park outside, so we call it the car park miracle. But here, no such car park. Uh, The churchyard miracle will do for now. Let me explain what that looks like and see if you you know how this goes. You have had a shocking week. You have let everyone down. You have let yourself down. Maybe Friday you lied about something at work to your boss and it was immediately found out and you had to own up and bear all the guilt and shame that came with that. Perhaps you're married. Saturday you were thoughtless, tired, said something unusually cruel to your spouse, which you didn't really mean at the time, but it blew up into a huge fight and you both went to, to bed angry, grumbling at each other. Sunday morning, if you have children, you, you've been impatient with the kids, you're driving in the car towards church, yelling at the children in the backseat to just keep it down, and then you arrive outside church, and suddenly the moment you walk through those gates, the miracle occurs. And into church walks the perfect family. Smiles everywhere, smiles beaming out to the church, your, your face just full of joy, a beautiful picture of perfect, harmonious relationships as you come together into the building. I exaggerate, but you get the point. And I'm, I'm sure that your time coming to church has never looked like that, and, and mine certainly didn't, perhaps even this morning. You get the point, though. Sometimes as we come together here, we can feel as if this is a place where we have to put on a face. As if this is a place for nice people who've got it all together, so we've all got to play the part. And if there were any chance someone even knew a hint of just how bad I have been even this week, even a hint of what a mess I am and how broken my life is, there is no way they'd ever let me in here again. I'm a a relative newcomer here, but I take it that for us and for, for every church out there, it's all too easy for that to be how we operate as a church And yet the vision the Bible gives us is so different, so much better. A way to be real with God, to be real with one another, real with ourselves. Honest about our faults, knowing that we don't have it all together, yet knowing where to go to to find forgiveness and healing. Today in 1 John, we are thinking about walking in the light with the God who is light. It's worth saying early on in this series, one of the things that can feel tricky as we come to a book like 1 John as modern Westerners is 
But it feels very circular sometimes. You may get the sense over the weeks and months ahead that John can sound a little repetitive sometimes. For many of us, that can feel frustrating. We, you know, why is he going, we, we've, we've done this, we've covered this, why are we back on this topic again? We would love to have just a, a very linear outline, ideally, you know, three points that all begin with the same letter. That's how we're used to communicating information. And John is just not like that. He, he's going around in circles all the time. And my challenge to you over these weeks ahead is not to bristle at that, but to, to lean into it and embrace this. Because as we come back to these ideas again and again over the weeks ahead, we see how John develops these ideas and, and imprints them deeper into our hearts through that repetition, coming back to them from slightly different angles to give us this fuller picture of who our Lord Jesus is. With Jesus is where John began. We saw that last week in the first few verses. John introduces himself as someone who was there, who saw Jesus and heard Jesus and even touched Jesus with his hands. John is this incredible eyewitness with the authority to proclaim the message to us about this Jesus. And now in our passage today, John starts to tell us what that message is. So verse 5, it would be wonderful to have 1 John chapter 1 open there so you can follow along. Verse 5, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. This is John saying, here is the big headline. If you want the executive summary of his letter, this is it. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. I wonder if that strikes you as a surprising summary of the message. It certainly struck me. If you ask me, Jack, what's the message about Jesus? And I'm in a hurry. You've got 11 words. Go. I'm not sure if verse 5 is what I would say. Why not start with Jesus and with his death on the cross and with his resurrection from the dead? Instead, the apostle who saw Jesus and who knows Jesus and who, I take it, knows what he is talking about, starts with, God is light. In him there's no darkness at all. So straight away, that's surprising for us. And it won't be the last time we feel surprised, even this morning reading 1 John. So often the way that John talks and the categories he uses are just not the way that even long-time Christians are used to talking. And again, that is why it is so good for us to be grappling with this letter as a church. If you've been around church for years and years and perhaps you feel like you've heard it all before, John can be refreshing. He puts things differently. Not contradictory, but complementarily. He cuts through our familiarity and helps us to see the the message about Jesus from a fresh angle, which is so sorely needed when we get stuck in a rut. And where John surprisingly starts is, God is light. So the next question we might ask is, what does he mean by that? And we're going to see that as the letter unfolds, the way that John works is he sees the world through this series of opposites, these stark contrasts, love and hate, truth and lies, life and death. And here at the start, the first of those opposites, which really sums up the rest, light and darkness. There's symbols that occur all throughout the Bible and especially in John's writings, but this idea of light, it is, it is a rich vein of symbolism that it's packed with meaning Sometimes in the Bible, darkness stands for ignorance, for not knowing. And we still use the language like that today, don't we? If you want to withhold some important piece of news from someone, you would talk about keeping them in the dark. In our world where people, by nature, 
don't know God, where we don't know who he is or how he would have us live. God is light who shines brightly into a dark world to make himself known. He illuminates us. He helps us to understand. He brings the light of knowledge that we might know him. So there's that knowledge aspect. Other times in the Bible, darkness has this moral sense. And I take it that is primarily what's on view in 1 John 1. In a world of darkness, meaning sin and rebellion and evil, God is light. He shines with this radiant, glorious purity. He is perfect and completely and utterly good. There's no darkness in him at all. No hint of malice or unfairness or lying or duplicity. None of that. He is entirely just and loving and good. And don't you see that in the Lord Jesus? God from God. Light from light, as we have said in the creed. The light of the world who comes radiating this compassion as he touches the leper. As he seeks out the tax collector and the sinner. You see that light in his white-hot zeal as he drives the merchants out of the temple. God is this pure, white-hot, glorious light. That's the beginning of of John's message here. In a dark world where we don't know and where we do wrong, God is the light in whom there is no darkness. And there's a problem here for us. Because if God's eyes are too pure to look on evil... And if he cannot tolerate wrongdoing, what does that mean for us if we do wrong? God is light sounds like bad news if we happen to be part of the darkness. And the rest of our passage, John talks about what God being light means for us. He lays out two ways that we can approach the light. A bad way and a right way. A dead end and a road to life. And he does that with this structured set of three statements, these balanced pairs that begin with if, the negative and then the positive. If we do this, mm, bad news, but if we do this, that's the way to go. You have these three pairs. The last of those is, is so crucial that we're going to spend a whole week just on, its, just on it alone, the, the two chap- verses at the start of chapter two next week. Today, really, we're going to have time just to tackle the first of these pairs, but you'll get a, a flavor for it as we come to John's first invitation to us here. Don't walk in the darkness, walk in the light, he says. Verse 6. If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. That word walking is this catch-all term for the whole way that we approach life. It's about how we act and think and feel We use the same kind of language today, right? You might say, you know, she doesn't just talk the talk, she knows how to walk the walk. This comprehensive way of approaching life. So verse 6 here is talking about people who want to say, yes, I know God, but I I walk in the darkness. People who embrace that same dark way of life that makes this this world of, of hurt and wrong so dark. What John's addressing here is the attitude of, So many people in our world, so many religious people, and perhaps many of us. We want to know God, we want a relationship with Him, but we would love to have it on easy terms. I know God is love, and and I'm all about that, I can embrace that, and surely He doesn't care what I do with my money, or how I talk about people behind their back, or how I relate to the poor or who I sleep with. Actually, God doesn't care. He's he's, he's all love. He's all relationship. That's what I'm on about. 
that kind of casual, cheap relationship with God is what John addresses here. And the problem with that casualness is that it completely misunderstands who this God is. As we've seen, he is light. In him there is no darkness at all. He is the God who is utterly opposed to darkness. So how could you possibly still be in fellowship with him if you yourself are still in the dark? The the Venn diagram, if you like, between God and darkness is just two circles as far apart as you can imagine. There's no overlap for you to remain in. It'd be a little like claiming, oh, you know, I'm actually a, a great personal friend of King Charles. He and I have a great relationship. We really get on. And I also happen to be a, a militant Republican campaigning against everything the crown stands for. It just doesn't work, does it? It just doesn't make sense. You have two things there that are irreconcilable. In the same way, John says that if we claim fellowship with God, but we continue actively thrilling, living in sin, then that claim to know God is a lie. You cannot cling on to God if your hands are still wrapped tightly around the darkness. So what's the alternative? Well, John gives us one in verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So he says, don't walk in the darkness. Cast that off. Walk in the light. And again, we want to ask, what does he mean by that? Because at first glance, it certainly starts to sound like, if I want to know God, that means I've got to get myself in order, right? I've got to be perfect. No no darkness left. God, there's no darkness in him, so there's got to be no darkness in me. You need to put off sin completely. If that's the case, what hope do any of us have? Who could claim to have that kind of perfect, sinless record for themselves? Well, thankfully, in the context here, that's not what light, walking in the dark, sorry, walking in the light means, because John's about to go on and say, if any of us claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Sinless perfection is not what he has in mind here. That's not what walking in the light means. Walking in the light is not about having no sin. Walking in the light is about what we do with our sin. There's a passage in the Gospel of John which helps to illuminate this this pattern a little. In John chapter 3, after those wonderful words about God's love for the world, that meant he gave his only son so that whoever believes might not perish, but have eternal life. It goes on, chapter 3, verse 19. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people loved darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Everyone who does evil hates the light. That's what he says. And that really is our our natural human condition. That by nature, all of us have fallen short of God's perfect light, glory, and all of us fear the light. We don't want to come to God. We, we don't want to be exposed. We, we, we relish the darkness that, that hides us, that keeps our, our sins hidden. We don't want them to be exposed before other people or God. When I come to this idea, it reminds me a little of an experience I had back in the house I lived a few years ago when I was studying at Theological College in Australia. More colleges in a, a fairly old kind of inner city part of Sydney where the houses are quite old, uh, many of them used to be quite dirty, 
This is this is sort of the dark underbelly of Sydney. You think it's all Bondi Beach and sunshine and kangaroos. This is this is the real kind of the grittiness. The house where we lived while I was sitting there had, you might call it a minor cockroach problem. You know, we'd see a, one or two of the little guys walking around every other day. It wasn't a you know that was pretty normal for living in Newtown where we were where more college is. But I realised the the sort of extent of the problem that lurks in the darkness outside the the light that we normally see. When I moved out of the house and I had a friend who was helping me move and we pulled the fridge out from the, the cavity and at that moment we, we, we saw the, the infestation and dozens, hundreds of these filthy brown little things suddenly scatter and that's what they do, isn't it? The light appears and they run and they, they run under the cupboards and they run under the, the carpet and anywhere they can go to get away from the light is where they flee. That is a little like what John says we are like. We don't want to come to the light, we flee from it. We would rather stay hidden in the darkness. So when we're called to walk in the light, it means to turn away from that impulse to hide, that natural bent we have to to hate God and his light, to want the secrecy of the darkness. To come to the light is to come to God in all our brokenness, acknowledging that, admitting it, confessing it, bringing our sinfulness out into the light of day before God Walking in the light is not about being perfect. It's about honesty. It's about having the clarity to be honest with God and honest with ourselves. And it is about growth and change too, because as we live in the light with God, we will learn to love what he loves and hate what he hates. We will renounce evil as we turn from it and turn to the light. And over time, we won't do the deeds of darkness in the same way we used to. We won't be perfect, as he goes on to say, but we will see more and more of God's light shining out of us. And as we go through 1 John, we're going to see what that looks like in practice, in, in, in love, in our relationships, in our dealings with one another. But what we need to see here before we finish is the result of walking in the light. Because that's what John was to telegraph in his letter, verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Two results there. If we walk in the light, fellowship, purifying. The Jesus, the light of the world, who poured out his blood for you on the cross so that you who trust him and who come to the light might be purified and cleansed and and washed utterly clean from the, the guilty stain of our sin. All sin, he says. Praise our Lord. We will think even deeper into the death of Jesus next week in the beginning of chapter 2. But don't let that pass us by. The cleansing that Jesus offers to our darkness is total. Light is like the the ultimate detergent, the, the wonder bleach that can clean even the most stubborn of our stains. Nothing is too dark for his light. But in the time that remains, let's focus on that fellowship that John mentions. Because this is another surprise. I would have expected John at this point to talk about fellowship with God. That would make sense, the previous verse. If you claim to have fellowship with God, but you walk in the darkness, you're a liar. Well, if you walk in the light, then you do have that fellowship with God. That that would make sense to my neat, linear, Western brain. And of course, we do have that kind of close relationship with God through Jesus. John's mentioned that back in verse 3. But it's striking that here in verse 7, if we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. It's our our horizontal fellowship here in this room that's 
in the spotlight, not just our, our vertical relationship with God. That's surprising. But as we think into it, it starts to make sense. Because if I am over here, hiding in the darkness, walking in the dark, and you are over there, walking in the dark, then we're not going to see one another. There's not going to be real relationship to speak of. Sin thrives in the darkness, in, in the isolation. There is nothing more isolating than having this terrible burden of sin and guilt that you bear alone. Especially in the church. If this is a place where we have to pretend like we're perfect and go through that churchyard miracle every Sunday, then here we all are, sitting together, shoulder to shoulder, all putting on a face, saying everything's fine, when really on the inside we are hurt and doubting and ashamed and terrified that someone might know just how great the darkness inside really is. What if instead of that, we come to the light, being honest with God, honest with ourselves, that we are not who we should be. Vulnerability like that is profoundly difficult, and yet it is wonderfully liberating. Brothers and sisters, church is not an academy for the virtuous. It's not a, a club for nice people who have their life all together. This is a hospital for the broken. This is a refuge for people who are deeply wounded. This is a place where sinners, the worst of sinners, people like you and me, come to find a saviour. There is nothing in your past that is too dark for the life-giving cleansing that Jesus has brought to deal with. For us there is forgiveness and cleansing and hope and beyond all that, fellowship. We are a body of people where we know that none of us are perfect and this should be a place where it is okay to not be okay. Isn't that the kind of church that you would want to be a part of? And if so, are we willing to be vulnerable enough with one another to see that kind of honest fellowship thrive? I'm not saying that means we need to all be airing our dirty laundry all the time to everyone we encounter. That isn't a particularly helpful extreme either. But the challenge for a passage like this for us is, do you have someone in your life, a, a, a trusted brother or sister perhaps in our church, is there someone who you can be completely honest with? Someone who can help you to bring things into the light. Someone who you know you can come to and say, look, you are not going to believe what I did this week, that I'm horrified to even begin to admit this. Someone who you can come and say that to and know that they're going to say, I'm, I'm not here to shun you, I love you. I know you're not perfect. That was a great sin, but you know what? Christ is a greater saviour. So let's bring it to him, and you can know that his blood cleanses you from every sin. That is the kind of fellowship that's possible if we walk in the light. We're going to finish by just briefly reading the last couple of verses that we have in this passage. These wonderful words in chapter 1, verse 9. I hope you can see how this framework shapes not how we just want to think about God and ourselves and each other, but even what we do here on Sunday. In a moment, we are going to come and pray words of confession as we pray each week, week in, week out in our services. This is what we do. 
Because this conviction needs to be the lifeblood of who we are as a church. We need to know that we are not who we are meant to be. And we need to know that we don't need to remain hidden in the darkness. That God is a light we can flee to because he offers forgiveness. Verse 9. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We can come to God confessing our sins honestly because he is faithful. He has promised that if you come to me, if you come and bring your burdens, if you come and and lay it all bare before God, forgiveness is on offer. That is the word God has promised. And he is faithful and just and will keep that promise. You can take that to the bank. We can entrust ourselves to the God who is faithful to the word he has given us. That he is faithful. He is just. He is the God who is light. So we can come to him and walk in that light. Let's pray. Our gracious Lord, we are profoundly grateful that you treat us so much better than our sins deserve. It's all too easy for us to call to mind the wrongs we have done, the good things we have failed to do. You know better than we do how far fall we how far short we fall of your goodness. But thank you that your light has come into the world, that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from every sin. We entrust ourselves to you and pray that you would help us to flee the darkness and to walk in the light. In Jesus' name. Amen.